Hey Valley family, welcome to the kickoff of our brand new series uh, that we're calling You Were Made for This. We're kind of looking underneath the hood of our church and what makes us unique, really our, our core values, our focal point, our vision that we've had. And you know, when, when I think back, uh, 46 years uh, of, of really flourishing uh, as a church. It was started in 1975. There was no strategy. It wasn't in my father, my mother's heart to even start a church. Obviously, it was in God's heart. And, uh, and yet you look back over the track record, 46 years, September will be 47 year uh, anniversary of our church. Two lead pastors, my father and myself. I think that continuity there. God has blessed us so very much. And I think from time to time it's important to like remember what makes us who we are. What's the, what's the valley way? What's the secret sauce really to keep that in mind and really focus in on it uh, of who we have been, who I think we we'll always will be until the time that Jesus comes back. We've gone through some hard times, you know, in our community. We've, we've gone through different recessions. We've gone through downsizing in IBM, huge, you know, hit in the 90s, obviously uh, pandemic, all those things, but year after year after year continue to flourish, and, and that's very unique, actually, uh, especially churches in our community, churches in our nation, uh, and around the world, so I'm incredibly grateful for it, and uh, there, there really are four core, uh, I would say, steps in our spiritual growth that we've outlined four core values in our spiritual journey uh, that, that I really want to focus on in this series because you may identify one of those steps and it's time to take the next step or, or someone that you know in your family, you can encourage them to take that next step. But, but this is really when people ask, you know, what's the secret sauce? I think this is really it. We've uh, expressed these four things in different ways uh, throughout the history of our church for many, many years now. Uh, it, it had been these four things, and, and I want to just show you where one place where these are in Scripture in multiple places uh, that we find these, these four core steps on our spiritual journey, uh, but for the sake of, of this series kicking it off, uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. And Paul is making a prayer. He's actually giving a prayer. I, I pray this from time to time for the Valley family, this prayer that is recorded here that, that Paul wrote for the Christians in Ephesus. And in this we find our four core steps, really, here at Valley Christian Church that we're all on this journey together. He says, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. And so right here in these, these few verses, we find these four core steps or, or four core values of our church. And I want to just kind of unpack it. But before I do that, you know, I, I want to point out here this last phrase, especially the incomparable great power for us who believe. You know, we serve a God, and didn't Pastor Karen do such a great job with that message last week? Uh, just knocked it out of the park. And, and she was talking about she's thankful that our God is not just a God of the past, but he's a God of the present. He's a God of power today. That he's doing incredible things today. 
And that power that's available for you, that power of the Holy Spirit that's available to me, there's a purpose for that power. And and that purpose is not just for you and I to enjoy the power of God. It's not to, you know, to like, uh, you know, just have like these great experiences. It's bigger than that. That power is to be released, not just in our life, but through our lives to impact other people's lives. There's a purpose for the power. It's not just to entertain us. And so we're going to talk about that uh, over the next few weeks in detail. But let's just unpack these four core steps now. The first one is knowing God. We, we want as many people as possible in our community, uh, in our nation, and around the world to know God. And, and that's where it all begins. It all begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and in fact, that's what it said here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, to know him better. And, and we're going to dig down deep into this one today, this week number one. The, the second one is to find freedom. To find freedom. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 says that your heart may be enlightened. That there's something about, you, you know, the bondage of sin, bondage to anything. It weighs our hearts down. Uh, fear, anxiety, addictions, it, it has a weight that pulls us down. But what, what Paul's praying here for the church at Ephesus and what really is our prayer for everyone in the Valley family that we touch, that we come in contact with, is that they, be, they find freedom. Later on in the New Testament, it says it was for freedom that Christ died to set you free. Jesus died to set you free from bondage, any and every kind of bondage. We're going to talk about that next week. We're working on some pretty major uh, uh, ministry initiatives that are going to be coming out uh, in the next few months here uh, towards this end in terms of just people walking in greater and greater freedom. And so that your heart may be enlightened, that that your heart may be uh, lightened, can I put it that way even. See, you can't see tomorrow until you settle yesterday. That's why freedom is so important. First, it starts with a relationship with God, knowing God, knowing Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, a a tangible daily relationship with Him. Know God and then find freedom. A third step is this, to discover your purpose. To discover your purpose. This is what Paul says when he says uh, in Ephesians 1.18, to know the hope to which he's called you. God has a purpose, a unique purpose for your life. God has a unique purpose for every single one of our lives. We're going to talk about this in two weeks from now, that, that you're born on purpose for a purpose. You're not just here taking up space. Before the beginning of time, God said, let there be you for right now, this moment in your life, for this moment in history. And, and it's so important, major, major uh, part of our church through the years is helping people discover their purpose. And then the fourth step in this core steps of this, this journey, spiritual journey, is making a difference, making an impact in the world in which we live. This is what, again, Paul's talking about in Ephesians 1.19. His incomparable great power. That's not to entertain. It's, it's the incomparable great power that is available to you and me to make a difference in this world, to make this world a better place. And, and that's the fourth step, core step in this spiritual journey. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. 
And now let's jump into this, this idea of knowing God because uh, really our Sunday services are all focused around helping people just to know God, no matter where they are in their spiritual journey, to, to know God better as a result uh, of coming and gathering together on a Sunday. So four Sunday focuses that help us to know God. There's four core steps in our spiritual journey. Now you just we're peeling down into the knowing God. There's four core things we try to accomplish almost every Sunday. So everything that we do, we funnel through these four core uh, steps. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Now we're peeling back, and we're finding there's four underneath there of knowing God. Peeling back what we endeavor to accomplish every single time that we gather together uh, on a Sunday. And, and here's the thing, I, I remember when I was a uh, teenager growing up in the church, and the church has changed a lot, you know, over the years, and uh, I, I was really after, m- one of my best friends, uh, he was a tight end on the football team at John Jay, I was a quarterback, we were really, really close, really, really tight like brothers, and I wanted him to come so long, and, and, and this is before the, the auditorium that we have here was built, it was just Valley Kids, that was the whole church, our Valley Kids building, uh, in the back, and I, we had folding chairs there in, in what is Valley Kids Elementary, and, uh, and I invited him to come. He finally came, and on that Sunday, you know, I, I think my dad meant well and, and was trying to, you know, listen to the Lord and follow the Holy Spirit, and uh, on that Sunday, he said, you know, during worship, he's like, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna preach today. We're gonna fold up the chairs. Everyone, we're just gonna dance before the Lord all day. And my friend, big old tight end, he just clamped onto his chair, <laughs> and he wouldn't get out of it. And uh, people started folding up chairs, just going crazy. Church was a lot different back then. And uh, I- I'll never forget that. I just, I was crushed. I, and I couldn't even ask him for like days what he thought. And he was like, I, I, that was the weirdest experience of my life. And, and, and you know, so many times churches are built on, built around, just who's at the church. But, but made a major change early on in the 90s that, that we're, we're just as concerned with those who aren't here in our church as those who are. It, it's not about just us who are here, but, but we're supposed to reach our community. It, it's not about just, just the people in the room. We're just as concerned with the people who have never entered the room because we want them to enter the room. And, and so, just as concerned about those who aren't here as those who are. Uh, really interesting, I just referenced this. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three different parables, and it's all about losing something. Like, if you were to think about this for a minute, if you lose your phone or you lose your car keys, you know, all of a sudden, those car keys, they become the most valuable thing, don't they? It doesn't matter. You know, if you can't find your car keys, you're ransacking the house. It's not like, you know, someone in the family comes up, oh, well, at least we have a couch. I mean, like, who cares at that point? I need my keys. My keys are lost. Jesus talks about a parable of a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And the, all three of those parables are to illustrate that, that something's lost and the focus is on that which is lost. And even with the sheep, it says that when he tells the parable of the lost sheep, that the shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. And, and so we, we made that pivot in the 90s. Instead of just looking at the sheep that were in the pen, that, that you know what, there are people that are lost 
in their relationship with God. They don't have a relationship with God. We need to be just as concerned with those that are lost away from God, not knowing God, as those that do know God, that are in the sheep pen, if you will. And, and so that was, a, that was a little adjustment. Uh, it was a pivot. It was a, it was a major adjustment, actually. And I think it, it, it was a game changer in the history uh, and the vitality of our church. Whatever's lost becomes actually more valuable to you when you recognize it's been lost. And so what we try to accomplish on Sundays is, is first of all, Sunday's a celebration time. You, you know, we try to be humorous and lighthearted, that it's uplifting because, you know, a lot of us, the week is, is hard. It's just, and we want people to be encouraged. So it's a celebration. It should be, uh, people should have smiles. I mean, it doesn't mean like we're not going through difficult stuff, but it should be a, like like we talked about in the last year, it should be like a breath of fresh air when we gather together. Psalm 122, verse 1, the psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I wasn't sad. I wasn't depressed. I, I didn't feel obligated. You, you know, a lot of people think, I, you know, have this mentality, I got to go to church because I, I did so much bad stuff during the week. That's not what it's about. Not what it's supposed. It's a celebration as we come together. We gather in Jesus' name, as where two or three are gathered together for the purpose of lifting up Jesus Christ. Jesus, says, there I am in the midst of them. There's a different, tangible, manifest presence of God when we gather for the purpose of lifting Him up. And so it's a celebration, but it's more than just a celebration. We also our Sundays we we we, we want them to be inspiration, inspiration as well. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, we, we, we try to uh, lift people's spirits. You know, one of the things that I don't do, and is sometimes pastors, I don't understand why people put up with it, is uh, some, some pastors just talk down to people all the time. You, you this, you this, negative, negative, negative. I like, we need that. Jesus was the most inspirational person to ever walk on the planet. And, and I think we need wind in our sail, not someone knocking us down even further when we gather together on a Sunday. Inspirational. To be inspirational. Not, not only celebration and inspiration, but the third thing is preparation. There's, there's preparation. Sunday's like, I, I like to say it, is this the locker room speech? And then we go and take the field. And so just like a good coach... You know, and I'm going to be coaching you up some in a minute here, uh, even in this message, some real practical things about reaching our community. But, but, but I want to prepare you that this is, this is the locker room. Then we take the field during the week and we execute the game plan. So preparation. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 12. Look at what it says. This is what my role is as a pastor. This is, this is what any leader in the church Throughout all history, for the last 2,000 years, this is the role. Look at what it says. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. This is in the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Why? Look at what it says. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The, the, the primary responsibility is not for, the, that's the coaching staff, okay? Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Uh, that's, that's the coaching staff. Not to do the work, 
but to equip and prepare the people of God to do the work. Because the work mostly happens not on a Sunday morning. This is the celebration. The work happens through the week. The work happens during the work day. The work happens in the marketplace, in, the, in your home with your kids, parenting your kids on the fields when you're coaching, you know, in the grocery store, the conversation. That's where the work of the ministry, that's the kingdom of God working. And so this, I, I always like to think about it, it's the locker room. This is preparation, preparing us to take the field. And, and this is the playbook. God's word is the playbook. So that's why, that's why our messages are from the Bible. This is God's word. It's not another playbook. I don't, I don't, you know, messages in out of Sports Illustrated or, you know, Better Homes and Gardens or something like that. It's out of God's word, the playbook. And then we take the field and we execute the game plan. And, and this is why this is so important. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says, quietly trust yourself to Christ your Lord. And if anybody asks why you believe as you do, in other words, someone outside of the Christian faith, be ready to tell them and do it in a gentle and a respectful way. Man, it's so much of our culture that's lost the whole even idea and concept of gentle and respectful. If you just speak to people nowadays gently and respectfully, you will shine like a star in a dark sky. But that's what we're called to. So, so to be prepared, and, 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 and that's one of the main things that we try to do, that I try to do, or Susie tries to do, or Randy, or Pastor Karen, anyone up here on a Sunday sharing, opening God's Word, sharing from God's Word, is to prepare us. That, that we're not just thinking about one hour on a Sunday, but we're thinking about seven days out of the week. To prepare us, to prepare you, to equip you for what you're going to face, not just on a Sunday, but all throughout the week. So, so that's our goal, that's our aim on Sundays, celebration, inspiration, preparation, but, but we can't ever forget about salvation as well. Salvation. That, that, that we want to see people come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus called it being born again. It's new birth. That relationship through, when, when someone re- receives Jesus Christ, recognizes that he lived a sinless life, and, and he laid his life down as a sacrifice and a substitute for you and for me on the cross. He paid the personal price for your sins and my sins. He paid that price. Paid in full. How do you know, Greg? Because he rose again three days later. And and when we receive that sacrifice in a personal way that Jesus did for us, that then we're saved. That then then we're forgiven, not because we earn it or deserve it, but because of what Jesus did. Romans chapter 10 Verse 13, 14, it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And that's one of my primary roles is to tell people about Jesus Christ. Uh, sometimes, you know, may, maybe you don't feel too confident about that. That's why we put together, we, we spend so much time preparing every single week for Sunday as a staff so, so that you can bring your unchurched friends. You, you, you can bring your unchurched family members. And, and I'm not going to say clear the chairs away, we're going to dance. But, but it's a place that, that is predictable, but it's also powerful. 
you know, even again, as Pastor Karen mentioned last week about, you know, that, that woman, you know, that time that, that was just crying through the service, first time here, and she's like, I don't, I don't know what, what's happening. It's, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. We hear that over and over, almost, I, I mean, certainly monthly, almost weekly. People come for the first time, and it's just, they're emotionally touched in a very good way. You can't make that happen. That, that's power. That's the presence of God when we gather together. And, and so salvation it's such a huge thing. It has been for so long in our church that people would begin a relationship with Jesus Christ and know God better through each and every Sunday. That's why it's so important, taking a step closer in that relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, you know, let me just share just, this is just amazing, this, this statistic, just in the last 18 months, in the last 18 months, through Valley Christian Church, we have actually seen 219 people receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior for the first time. That is absolutely fantastic. 219 salvations. And, and uh, that's not just a, a guess. That is actually people, you know, filling out that Connect card or texting that number. Today, I received Jesus Christ as my Savior for the first time. That's not rededication. 219 people received Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lost. Now found brought into the family of God. It's so important. And we gear a lot of what we do on Sundays around that opportunity. Sometimes I'll, I'll say, would you bow your heads with me and pray and repeat this prayer after me? Uh, sometimes it's just text this number, that, you know, but it, it's a major, major part of what we do. And it's part of the, the secret sauce, if you will. It, it's part of the valley way, the focal point of what our Sundays are all about. It's about celebration. It, it's about inspiration. It's about preparation. And it's about salvation. And, and maybe you're one of those 219. Uh, here, here's the next step I want to mention to you that's really, really important, and that's baptism. Water baptism. We have water baptism that is actually coming up uh, on June the 12th. And uh, if you haven't taken that next step in your spiritual journey to follow, since making a personal decision on your part uh, to receive Christ as your Savior, we encourage you to sign up for that. We're going to give you a free t-shirt and have a short class beforehand. And then we'll have a, it's a special service on a Sunday night, worship, and, and then we'll, we'll follow Jesus' example and his commandment. Jesus made that decision on his own part. His parents didn't make a decision for him. Jesus was dedicated when he was a child, but he was baptized when he made the decision for himself. And, and he set us this example, and he gave a commandment to his followers. Well, do you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven? No, you don't. You, you don't have to be. If, if someone's on their deathbed and receive Christ, we don't feel like we've got to get them in a tank or something like that. But, but here's the thing that's so important in your spiritual journey. Let me just take a moment and encourage you with this if you haven't taken this step yet. Uh, I, I like to think of baptism like this. This is my wedding ring, okay? This is my wedding ring. For 32 years, this is my wedding ring, almost 32 years, August 18th, 1990, was when I got married to Susie. This wedding ring doesn't make me married. The marriage, that happened on August 18th, 1990, when, when I stood in front of a church, friends and family, Susie, and, and uh, gave my vow to God that I was going to love her till death do us part. And she gave her vow to God that she was going to love me till death do us part. She's wanted to kill me a few times, but that's, that's a whole other story. But anyway, but the, this ring, watch this, this ring is a symbol of my commitment. 
my commitment to her. And, and it's a public symbol. And, and that's why I wear it, because I want everyone to know I'm committed to that woman. I'm committed to Susie for my lifetime. And that's why she wears a ring. She's committed to me for a lifetime. That's what water baptism is. You, you don't have to wear a ring to be married. You don't have to be water baptized to be a Christian. However, Jesus said, don't be embarrassed of me. It's the, it's the opportunity that we have that we go public with our faith in water baptism, following his example and his commandment. It's like a wedding ring. And, and so I encourage you, if you haven't taken that step, in your spiritual journey since putting your faith in Jesus Christ to do that. We will probably have 25 or so people that are going to be baptized uh, on Sunday, June 12th. And uh, we'll have a celebration. We'll have some cake. And it's just, it's just a wonderful, it's one of my favorite things all year long uh, that we do. We only do it twice a year. We do it once in the spring, once in the fall. And it's normally about 25 people or so. Sometimes we've had 45 or, or something like that. But, but short class, we'll go over all that the scripture says so you have a real good understanding of it. And, and go public with your faith. Put on the ring. Go public with your faith in Jesus Christ and following his example and his commandment. And, and let me say this uh, about this point on salvation, and, and that is this. You bring a friend, and they receive Jesus Christ in one of our services, like one of these 219 did, I guarantee you that will be the best Sunday of your life. That will be the absolute best Sunday of your life. So, so let me real practically, how do we share our faith? I want to coach you up here. How, do we, how can we really just share our faith? There's four practical steps because we want to partner with you. Sometimes it feels awkward, you know, like, well, I don't have a doctorate degree in theology. Well, I, I, I do. We're here to help. You know, it's a team effort. Uh, no one does this alone. And, and so, first of all, accept personal responsibility. Just, just realize that there are people that God is putting in your path that are never going to cross my path, never going to cross the path of one of the pastors or staff members here. A and God put you there for a reason. I, I, someone came up to me one time years ago and said, uh, Greg, would you pray with me to get a new job? I just want a new job. And I said, why do you want a new job? He had a pretty good job. And he's like, well, I'm the only Christian uh, in my whole, you know, uh, on the job. Everyone, none of the rest of them are Christians, and I just want a job surrounded by Christians. I was like, whoa. Just different perspective here. Maybe God placed you there as the only Christian for a purpose. And it's not just so you'll be the only Christian. It's so that you can be light, be salt, and influence them. And it's just, it was a perspective changer for my friend. Accept personal responsibility. Here's the second thing. Build a personal relationship. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Build a personal relationship. Share a personal story. Just real practical. Just, you know, all, all you got to do is be enthusiastic about church. And you're going to, people are going to be like, what's up with you? Because most folks aren't. It's more obligation than inspiration. Just when you're like, hey, man, I'd love it if you come to church with me sometime. Or you just walking on a Monday morning, you got a little pep in your step, a little, you know, glide and slide. And they're like, what's up with you? Oh, man, we had a great time, great time at church yesterday. What? 
I mean, it, it will spark conversation. Just share your story. What was so great? Man, we just got, it was just so inspirational. Our worship team just knocked it out of the park. Man, I just feel like I, I get empowered, you, you know, with a game plan every single week, stuff that, that I'm just growing in my faith. Really? Yeah, would you like to come with me? Okay. Just share your personal story, that's all. And then give a personal invitation, specific to, would you, Jim, would you, Charlie, would you, you know, uh, uh, Cheryl, you know, whatever. Give a personal invitation. And, and then bring them and meet, meet them here. And, and not just that, but take them out to lunch afterwards, you know. And, and like I said, it will be the best Sunday of your life. You see a friend, family member, co-worker, put their faith in Jesus Christ. Born again. Life-changing. It's a team effort. That's what we're here for, to help in that regard. Because really, we have a mission field. We have a mission. What's our mission field? We're, we're on the mission field. It's pretty interesting that uh, today is actually anniversary. This is Pentecost Sunday. This is the, the, the day, 2,000 years ago plus, that, that the, the Christian church was actually birthed on the day of Pentecost uh, in the Jewish calendar. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And day one, 3,000 were added to, to the family of God. The day one of the Christian church was a megachurch. 3,000 people, one Sunday. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit that was poured out. And, and Jesus had promised that that was going to happen. And, and look at what it says. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He was, he was prophesying. He was predicting that, that this was going to happen to his followers. And it did. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So these are, these are concentric circles, really, that he's explaining. He, he's talking about their mission field, in, in a true sense. And, and it's, it's just like, how does this relate to us? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, in Jerusalem, for us, that's our community. That's our community. And we really, uh, for, for many years now, and it just seems like it's mushrooming even more, for many years now, uh, we're, you know, I, I love Hopewell. Uh, I grew up here, was raised here, went to schools here at Hopewell and all. But we draw not just from Hopewell. I mean, our community, we're more of like a regional church. We, we have a lot of folks that come from not only Dutchess County, but Orange County, uh, Westchester County, Putnam County, uh, some from Ulster County even, some coming across Connecticut border, you know, to come here uh, to Valley Christian Church. So, so we're like a regional church, not just, just the small local community, but, but even larger than that. And, and so Jerusalem would be our community, and, and what would be Judea and Samaria? Well, that's our nation. That's our nation. One of our strategic partners that we have uh, supported for many, many years, uh, well over 10 years, is uh, ARC, the Association of Related Churches. And we financially partner with them. They resource us. And uh, they, they have act, they're a church planting organization, churches a lot like ours. Uh, we're not originally an ARC church, but we joined later on because we had so much in common. But, but ARC has planted in the last 20 years 1,000 churches across America. A thousand churches in America. Absolutely amazing. In fact, we're excited about a, a, a partnership that's growing even with a specific uh, uh, church plant that's going to be happening in September. Uh, 
a gentleman who's actually related to a few of our families in our church, uh, Matt Zimmerman, he and his wife are going to be planting an ark church in Boston, and we're partnering with them to help them uh, financially uh, to do that. And uh, this summer, Matt's coming, and he's going to be preaching and sharing the story of One Church Boston as they launch that church. It's not that far from here. If you, you know, just just go up the interstate a little bit there to Boston and. Uh, Matt and I have gotten together several times over the years, and we're just so excited through ARC, uh, it's an ARC church plant, to, to partner with them to reach that Boston metro area up there. And, and it's a big part, so it's not just for us, for Valley, but it's, it's reaching our nation as well. That's our Judea and our Samaria. And, and also to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem is our community, uh, Judea and Samaria is our nation, and the ends of the earth, and that's our sister church in Tiraspol, Transnistria, that's Ukraine, and so you've been so generous, Valley family. We're working on some other things as well. You know, we have a growing influence in, uh, also in Germany over the years, in Cayman Islands. I have really a spiritual son that pastors a church there uh, in Cayman Islands, Andrew Ebanks, dear to us. And uh, right now we're actually working on some pretty exciting stuff into the new year, uh, just making some more inroads even into Guatemala as well. Uh, and some, some growing friendship that we have there with uh, Adopted Child Living Waters Ministry. And uh, Susie and I are going to be going to Guatemala in the new year. To, to really prepare the way for some strategic mission trips that you, Valley family, are going to be able to go on there to Guatemala and, and take a week or two just to minister to so many children and it's a great, great opportunity that's developing there. We, we believe that's the pattern that Jesus gave us and we're following that pattern. Jerusalem, our community. Judea and Samaria, our nation. The ends of the earth, our world. That's our mission field. So, so let me end with this. You may be saying, well, how can I participate? Because this is just Sunday. This is just the first thing, knowing God. How can I participate? Three, three suggestions right here, how you can participate, just, just to be a part. First of all is pray. Man, man, we can't say that enough. That's why, you know, Saturday prayer is so important. You know, anytime, just to pray for the mission of our church, pray for wisdom, pay for, pray for leadership, you know, that we'd have wisdom as we're making all these kind of different decisions that we need to make, just to move the ball down the field, to execute the game plan that God's given to us. Pray. Uh, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 through 38, Jesus put it this way. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. That's why we have a residency program here uh, in the church. So we're developing more leaders. That we have uh, uh, valley group leaders as well. We, we just empower, equip, empower, equip, raise up uh, you know, leaders all the time. It's so important. We always need more hands, you, you know, because the harvest is ready right now. And that's what Jesus said to pray for. And then you can give financially. Valley family, you're so generous. And, and I just want to tell you one thing. If you're, you haven't been around Valley much, you know, you're not going to get your arm twisted when it comes to generosity. Uh, we're not going to do that. That's not my way to guilt people into giving more money or, or anything like that. Valley family, you've always been so generous. And this is the way we approach it. Here's the need. Pray about it and do what it is God wants you, that God says. We encourage people to grow in their generosity. That's something the scripture says that every time we, sh we should be looking at, our, am I growing in my generosity? We'll encourage you to do that. But, but no one's going to come to your house and say, okay, how much are you going to give this year? You know, make a pledge, make a commitment. We, we don't do that, that, that stuff. We're not strong-arming anybody. Uh, we believe inspiration. <laughs> Just making the need known. 
and you can look around you, we're going to do the right thing with, with what you give. You know, that, that's why we had to make that decision to sell that property in Poughkeepsie because I, I wasn't going to try to raise money to pay an inflated rate of cost of something that, that wasn't worth that anymore. I wasn't going to do that to you. And so you can give. We do the right thing with, with the finances that are given to us. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is. Store it up in heaven for God's kingdom. Invest in God's kingdom. You can pray, you can give, and then finally you can go. You can go, and like I said, working on some stuff right now even so you can go to Guatemala in, in the future, Valley family. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 puts it this way. Isaiah had a vision in the throne room of God, and he heard God speak. And he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? I love that. It's the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Whom shall I send, and whom shall go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. And so again, this is the locker room. This is the locker room, and every time we end our service with that blessing, that, that's like football team, ready, break, and then we take the field. And God's sending you into the work week. God's sending you into the, the workplace. God's sending you into the home. God, God's sending you into our community for his sake. You are where you are for his sake. Here am I, send me. That, that's, that's knowing God. You're really just scratching the surface, but that's why, that's the first core step in our spiritual journey. We want as many people as possible in our community to know God and do all that we can to help them know God. It takes each one of us, here I am, send me, Lord. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for these core steps, these core values, Lord, that have been a part of our church for so long, expressed different ways, but for so long at the heart, that the secret sauce, the valley way. And God, we just pray that this generation, today, that we'd be faithful to continue, Lord, Lord, to to move step by step on our spiritual journey individually and as a church family, the Valley family, Lord, to reach our Jerusalem, our, our, our community, our, our Judea, our nation, and the outermost parts of the earth, Lord, as well. That, that Lord, we would do all that we can, Lord, to reach as many people with the good news of Jesus Christ, that they would not be lost in their relationship with you, but that they would be found. Help us, Lord, to value those who are not here as much as we value those that are. Thank you for your blessing upon our church family. And Lord, we go forward, Lord, to continue in your name to impact our community, our nation, and our world. In Jesus' name, amen.